be realistic with yourself. Do something that you can become, like you, you, you like it, right? You can, if you like something, you can learn to become passionate about it. Just be realistic and don't get caught up in the, oh, like chase your passion. Chase something that enjoy, that allows you to also, you know, financially help you chase your real passion. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. One last thing before we get into today's episode. A lot of people ask how they can support the podcast. Well, I have a couple easy ways. The first way is just listen and subscribe. And another thing you can do is go follow the Roughnecks podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube as well. If you get something out of today's show, then do me a favor. Share it with a friend. If you really want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, then head over to roughneckspodcast.com and get you some of that merch. I appreciate all of the support, but let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. We are back with another episode, and I'm super excited for today's guest. But before I get into the guest, I want you guys to... uh, I wanted to bring back up that we just had the 2022 summer merch drop. Uh, All those new merch items, uh, summer-specific items. We got some tank tops, some shorts, um, a a couple other new designs on shirts. Uh, those are out on the website right now, which is roughneckspodcast.com. So if you guys want to go check out the merch, you can. Some of that merch will be disappearing after um, once the fall merch drop comes in, which is in September. But uh, So that stuff will be there till September. If you guys want to make an order, you don't have to. I'd just like to put it out there for anybody who wants to support the podcast. That is one way you can do it. Another way you can do it is just share the episodes. But joining me today an episode that we were just talking right before we started recording that we've been working to get together for a long time but it's it's he's got a busy schedule i got a busy schedule but we're finally able to get him on mr tucker welcome to the roughnecks podcast what's up mr cole how are you Uh, i'm not too bad i'm glad i'm finally finally able to get you on here it's been a crazy ride we were actually supposed to record a couple days ago but you had a crazy little tire problem i don't even know how to explain it other than that Yeah, no, I went into town for I, I, fun, funny story. I wanted milk and cookies. I don't know. I woke up that morning. And I said, oh, man, it's my off day. I might as well go into town, grab some other, you know, small things. And I, I had a craving for milk and cookies. And I was turning into the grocery store and there was this uh, guy that pulled up next to me. And he was like, hey, hey, your tires, your tires about to blow. And I was like, what? And I pulled over and there it was. It uh, My inside sidewall of my tire had blown up looked like a big cantaloupe slapped on the side of it and uh i texted you and i was like oh dude <laughs> we ain't doing a podcast today i don't think yeah it's crazy like i'm re- like if for anybody who wants to see it it's on your tiktok which we'll get into your tiktok a little bit too but it's it is a crazy looking i don't even know exactly how something like that would even happen oh yeah you and you and i i, I hopped on google because um it's that it's it, 
what I read was it's usually caused from hitting curbs at like a super high speed, but uh, I feel I'm like in you the middle see of that on the outside though, not the inside. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. And I'm in the middle of the desert. There's no curves. I mean, you just fall off into the sand. And not to mention, I was also in town. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that puzzled me. And it also cost me about $2,500. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> but to kick oh, yeah. off every episode, oh, yeah. I, I like to allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little background on who they are. So just go ahead and give the listeners a little, uh, just basically who you are. All righty. So, uh, Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. My name's Nolan Tucker. I'm a uh, just a good old Southern boy. I'm from a small coal mining town in Alabama of 947 people. I uh, grew up poor for a little while. My dad was he was a contractor for Big Army slash National Guard in Fort McClellan and Anderson. Um, grew up with that background and kind of inspired me to. Uh, look in the direction of military, and that's kind of what I ended up doing. I served in the Marine Corps for five years. I just recently got out and uh, turned to agriculture, and that's kind of how my TikTok blew up. That's how me and Cole here got uh, involved with each other. And Yeah, no, it's it's been a blessing. I, I don't think I'd change anything that I've done in my life. And, uh, yeah, next thing I know, I'm, I'm on podcasts and doing videos and meeting some great folk, and I, I cannot complain. Yeah, TikTok was originally, I, I saw, I remember, I don't even remember exactly what video it was, but I saw a video on TikTok, and I think the original message I sent you the first time, I think you were working on a ranch or something, and I was like, I, I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure I asked if your ranch is hiring, and you said something like, you know, ranches are always hiring, or something along those lines, And but I remember that specifically, because that was the point in my life, like, I just graduated college, didn't really want to go work a desk job, and like, everything in me was like, wanting to move towards the west out west because i'm i mean i live in ohio so i like everything was wanting me to just i don't know you know it might be it might be like the stereotypical yellow do people see yellowstone and want to go out there or whatever it is but i don't even think i'd actually <laughs> see yellowstone at that point but you know i don't know exactly what it was but i just wanted to pick up i was literally there was a few times where i was about to pack up everything in my car or everything i could fit in my car and just go but i didn't end up doing but that's where i originally found you and I believe actually what it was, you were sitting on that that front porch or that porch that you had that are in a lot of your videos on TikTok with that freaking hell of a view. But um, your TikTok also has a very nice, pretty nice following. Kind of take me through. I, I want to just start with that. Like where, how the like when did you see the TikTok take off? Was it when you started doing that, like the agricultural side of things, or what? What exactly was it? Yeah, so the backstory on that was, uh, um, like, you know, everybody knows TikTok was whole dancing app thing. No, you're right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so everybody knew that, you know, TikTok's like a dancing app, and uh, I was making fun of it with my buddies, and one of my buddies brought it up, and he was like, hey, man, have you seen that there's, like, some actual, like, hard, hard-ass cowboys that are TikToking? And I was like, What? No way, because I didn't even have the, I didn't have the ad. You know, you see it on Instagram and whatnot of like, you know, girls and guys like dancing to like weird pop songs, whatever. I was like, what? No way! Like, are they dancing? They're like, no, they're doing like, edu- like quote unquote education style stuff for like agriculture. And um, I was actually on an internship in Montana uh, last year for six months. You're towards the end of which I'm sure we'll get into this later, but uh, your last couple months in the Marine Corps or 
Marine Corps or Army, you can make your own internship. The other branches, it's called SkillBridge. And uh, I created my own through ranching because all you have to do is find an employer that will house you. So I was already out in Montana, and this was, I think, in, like, early August. And uh, one of my buddies had brought, up, brought it up to me and was, hey, man, you should, maybe you should look into that. So I downloaded the app and started messing around. I just posted some stupid videos, I mean, like cooking eggs in a skillet on a campfire, you know, just stuff like that. And then one day I was sitting there and I posted um, a video of me drinking a Coors banquet overlooking uh, the porch. I was the house that I was living in. Uh, I guess you could say like a bunkhouse, quote unquote, was uh, right beside this old, old cottage. Um, like little frontier cottage from like the late 1800s that had moved from Harlow, uh, Montana over to the ranch. And the porch is just in phenomenal shape. The inside is just, it's tore up. Uh, nobody lives in it, but I would always sit on the porch, you know, have a beer after, after working most of the day and, you know, just sit there and collect my thoughts. I'd write, I'd read, whatever it is. And I, uh, ended up propping up the phone on the windowsill and popping a video real quick of just, and the comment was, hey, go find your own. And I put quotes, Montana, God knows that I have. And I uh, threw some, like, culture wall in the background. And I went to bed. And I, I posted it, went to bed at, like, 7 p.m., woke up about 4 a.m., get ready for the day, and uh, looked down at my phone. And it had, I think, like, almost 2 million views. It, like, I had gained over 20,000 followers and I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So from there, it, they started popping off and people were commenting like, Holy, you know, how the, how did you get there? Like, what did you do? And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that started the foundation of my TikTok. And from there I started talking about how to make yourself marketable, how, if you are interested in agriculture, ranching, farming, whatever it is, especially, you know, if you're younger and, um, you don't really know a direction that you're going and, you know, you don't really want to go to college, but you don't want to join the military, whatever it is. Uh, this is a phenomenal option to look into just because, I mean, there, well, one, there's a labor shortage in America across the board, but there is truly a skilled, let me rephrase that, skilled <laughs> labor shortage in agriculture. That's where I feel like, you know, I was going to mention it and I already kind of did, but like too many people, you know, they see the Yellowstone they see they've seen the show and they i feel like some of them are like oh i could do that but like you don't truly see what it takes to do that kind of life like they don't really see what it's like and i just like kind of just honestly just take us through like a typical day for you like how does it go which i know none yeah, of the days so, uh, are probably real typical <laughs> they never are they never are so one thing that really drew me to this lifestyle and that's what it is it's not a career it is like it is a lifestyle um Every day is different, and I mean it. I'm talking, for example, today I woke up and uh, we were. It's it's hay season, okay. And our, your goal is you want to sock back a uh, couple tons of hay per head, and so you can feed through the winter and you don't have to worry about food. Well, your equipment is your lifeline. That is that is what is producing that hay uh, storage for you, right? And woke up this morning. Walked outside, went out to uh, the swather. It it cuts the hay and then makes it in a nice little columns, and then that's what you rake and then bale with down. You know, in a couple of days after the hay's dried out, and um, the whole left side of the header that cuts the hay, 
the hydraulic piston had just completely went sideways. Don't know how. It's just ranching. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was most of my morning was working on that, trying to figure out who, what, more, how, and why, and how to fix it. And um, that's what that's what I, I think. As you said, people have this, um, I guess you could say, unrealistic expectation with working on a ranch or a farm. We'll, we'll talk ranching right now. Working on a ranch, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, I want to be a cowboy. I want to hop hop on a ranch and, and cowboy for a living. Um, they, there are buckaroo jobs. There are still straight cowboy jobs where you're on a horse every day and you're working cows every day. Those are big ranches. On your smaller ranches, which is majority of ranches in America, your small little cow-calf operations, um, and I say small with quotes, you got to be a jack-of-all-trades. I mean, it's that's 10% of the job. It's, uh, that, is, that is the 90% of bullshit that you deal with on a daily basis. That makes that 10% so flavorful and so worth it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't explain to it. I just can't explain it. You, I mean, you're, you'll be on the back of a horse in the middle of the canyon pushing, you know, 900,000 head of cows and, I mean, there is, I'm not trying to get, you know, super spiritual, religious on you, but you really feel as close as you can possibly feel to God or Buddha or Allah or whatever you believe in. It's, it is just, it, you feel it. It's just something that is indescribable. And uh, like I said, it, that 90% of bullshit of me beating the crap out of the swather this morning, <laughs> working on that thing and going, golly, like, what do I do for money? And then all of a sudden, uh, in two days, I'm about to go up on the mountain, and we're about to go cow camp for two days. And I'm going to be cooking over fire, like straight Dave Stammy cowpoke stuff. And, uh, like, that's, again, that's what makes it, every like, it's just worth it. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, people, I, like we already mentioned, like, people see the glorified side of it. But it is, like like you said, 90% of it is, you know, it's it's tough work. It's hard shit. Like, it's not easy to do what you do and it it's like they're long sometimes they're long days where like you know you want to all you want to do is be done with the day but you still have like three more hours left you're not even close like in a typical it's not like a nine to five type job like you're up early and sometimes you're working late and it, it's just how it is but there is the reward at the end like you get that 10 percent, like you mentioned you have that reward of there and there's nothing that i haven't personally seen it but just from pictures alone and from other people's accounts, like there is nothing that will be, you know, just being out and seeing the views, being where you are. And like you said, being basically close to whatever you believe in, like there's nothing closer to it and there's nothing that beats that. Oh yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, um, it's, it's honestly humbling. Like it's, uh, I, I tell all my buddies that I serve with in the Marine Corps, if you have, um, you mentioned it earlier about the nine to five job. Like you didn't really want to hop to a nine to five. This is it. Like this is a, this is a task based job, right? Some days and it's, yes, you have like a quote unquote schedule. Like you do have a, Hey, I wake up at this time. I get started this time. I'm usually done about this, you know, at like four or five o'clock, sometimes six, hay season. Sometimes you work all the way till dusk. Mm-hmm. And, it's nice because, again, it's a task-based job. So if you have something that you need done, 
you don't get off until that is done. Sometimes you're called up at 3 a.m. turning wrenches on something or trying to fix something or finish bailing, whatever it is. Like if rain's coming and you need to finish bailing, you're pushing. You're getting everybody out there, and y'all are all y'all are all doing it together. So it's it's really neat to see the um, the teamwork side and the uh, trying to think like the camaraderie, if you will, with other ranch hands and the owners and the managers, like when there's a goal in sight and something has to get done and shit needs to go quick, people, so so far what I've seen, people find a way to do it. And I I love that because it goes hand in hand with like military training. It's just, if it's got to get done, it's got to get done. Quit making excuses. Go fucking do it. Excuse my French. (laughs) Well, it's true too, because like it's kind of, you mentioned like the camaraderie type stuff. It's no different than like in sports or, you know, when you do work for a company or work for a ring or whatever it is, your job or like you said, the Marine Corps, like it's a separate, you have a family involved. Like it becomes a family. And when it becomes a family, it's a lot easier too for things to get done because you're not like pointing fingers saying, you know, oh, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. Or it's their fault. It's more of like, you know what? It is what it is. We got to, we got to push through and get it done. Absolutely. No, without a doubt. It's, uh, it's truly, um, now I'm speaking on smaller operations. I haven't had any experience with like the really, really big stuff yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe down the road I've, I've fallen in love with this, uh, like I said, the lifestyle, just the the small, the smaller ranchers that aren't, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousand acres that are owned by some type of corporation or like some head guys that are billionaires, you know, nothing like that. Like you said, it's small family stuff that's been in the family for a long time. And it's, it's just incredible to see like how far they've came and like, where it is today and what they do different in the history that's on the ranch. For example, like I'm out, I'm out here in Nevada right now in the Great Basin and I'm working on the oldest ranch in Nevada. It's called the 96 Ranch. And I was talking to the owner and she was telling me about um, just the history of this place. And the ranch started in 1864 and their great, great granddad, his name was William H. Stock came out here in a couple wagons, said he was deeded this land um, from, I think it was like some type of homestead act that Nevada had came up with, Nevada territory, it wasn't a state yet. And he came out here, settled this this area, dug a hole, dug a hole, took his canvas off of his wagon, put the canvas over the hole, and he lived in that hole with his family for 10 years. Like, oh, my God, what? The, the grit. Oh, my God. You don't see that anymore today, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I could do any. I don't even know if I could do it for a year. Live in a hole in the middle of, like, high-altitude desert. There's barely any water. And he was like, oh, yeah, dude, this this is cattle ranch right here. Like, what? Nuts. Absolutely nuts. It's just crazy, too, to think about that. Like, I don't think people truly understand that sometimes, too. Like, the history that's behind it. And, like, you know, like, there is history behind, you know, everybody has their own history. But that kind of history, it's so cool to listen to. to, Like, I'm sure it was awesome, like, to, like, just sit there and listen to the story that she was telling you. Like, it's just an awesome thing. And, like, I'm not necessarily a history buff. But when it comes to that kind of stuff, I'm always listening. Like, I'm always down for those kind of things. But, you know, I wanted to 
kind of um, ask you, I don't know if you've seen Yellowstone. I'm sure you've probably, you know, seen stuff of it if you haven't seen it. But, like, how much of, like, the Yellowstone stuff compared to, like, the real life do you think is true? Um, okay. Good, good question. I've, uh, so I have <laughs> because I, you know, it's got to be a question that a lot of people want to know the answer to. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, everybody, including my own family, they're like, "Dude, is it like Yellowstone?" <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> There's there are things in Yellowstone that are somewhat realistic. Um, when they're talking about the struggle with land, when they're talking about water rights and stuff like that, that is a thing. Um, there are really really rich companies or individuals that are coming up and they are buying up uh farmland i think i think i'm trying to remember the statistic this is going to be rough y'all can fact check me on this every minute america loses i think like three acres of farmland to some type of corporation housing development or something like that agriculture land uh that's scary and it, that I mean, they like I said, they do a good job, in, in my personal opinion, in Yellowstone about, like, the struggle for keeping your land. Because the government could come in and be like, hey, we want to do this here. We want to put an airport here. We want to do something that, you know, will, quote, you know, quotes, boost the community or bring in jobs. And you can't say no. They'll give you pennies on the dollar for that acreage. And, like, it's 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 unbelievable. It's, uh, it's truly scary. But the rest of the show... <laughs> Uh, no, it's, 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 uh, it's not, not realistic by any means. They, yeah, no, no bueno. You mean uh, you're not that, yeah, yeah. Nah, <laughs> there are, there are, I got some buddies that have been branded. Um, I think that's just a, you get drunk and you get dumped. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> grab that horse brand. Let's get weird. <laughs> but, but uh, I- yeah, no, I mean, I've thought about it. I, I, hell, I might do it. Who knows? <laughs> I, I mean, the land thing you see, not even just in that, but like I've noticed it just where like I've grown up. You know, I'm I'm from Ohio, like I said, and you know, it's not like this ranch life, but you know, there's a lot of farmers around where I'm at, and just like I remember, like my yeah. parents tell me stories about like, you know, this road used to be a dirt road, and it was a dirt road because. Because Emsweiler Road, I'll, I'll never forget that story. Emsweiler Road, it was a dirt road that was created because tractor uh, old man Emsweiler would drive his tractor through there to get to his fields, and then it connected to another road that people just started taking it, and then it eventually it just became like a legit road, and now it is a legit road. But it, like then you just look at it, and like you see all these housing developments going up and everything, and like <clears throat> you know new plants come in because they're gonna boost the community, like you mentioned, and it's just it kind of sucks to see, and you know it it's. It's hard to watch like small towns like when you like the small town feeling. If you're a city person, like you like the city, good for you. I, but we don't have to take everybody else's country life either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're uh, you hitting the nail on the head. And I think, um, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody that's uh, kind of paying attention to what's going on now. Not to turn, I'm not turning this political by any means, but yeah. there's definitely some really hard times coming. Uh, we we don't have as much farmland. We have a fertilizer shortage. Diesel's through the roof. Uh, just a hay this year to to cut our hay to put up for the cows to make it through winter. It's going to cost us almost twenty thousand dollars just in fuel. Mm. That is like last year to show you. Um, 
kind of the difference. We paid uh, right at, I believe it was $12,000 this past month for diesel, red dye, right? For our tractors and our hay buying and our, our ranch trucks. And then for last year compared, we spent about four grand. You do the math. Yeah. And what's scary about that is people, a lot of like big corporations can eat that for a little bit. They can, with the inflation stuff and the shipping cost of things, because now trucks aren't able to ship stuff for $2 a mile. It's now like seven, eight, nine dollars You know, also depends on what like area you are in the United States and whatnot, but it is, it's about to get scary, and I, I think it's going to be, in, in a weird way, I think it's good um, to an extent because it's going to really make people open up their eyes. Like, I got some friends back home that, like, are just living in a cloud of la-la land that thinks that steaks pop out of the freezers in the grocery store, and they don't, they don't think about, you know, the poor soul on horseback or a four-wheeler, a side-by-side, whatever it is on some operation in, you know, Georgia or Alabama that's raising that, uh, you know, that, that beef cow right there that they're about to eat. Like, I, I, I just, like I said, with the hard times coming, I think it's going to open up a lot of people's eyes, and I think they're going to have to take a step back and be like, holy crap. Oh, my God. Like, this is, this, we might be in trouble. We need to do something. So, who knows? Yeah, I think some people just think, oh, they'll just they can just butcher another cow. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it than just you know butchering a cow. Like you got to get it there to get butchered first. But kind of like you know you talked about the fuel, and you guys are a lot bigger operation than what I'm with because I I mean the company I work for I put in fiberglass pools. Um, that's what I like, and we don't, and it's only a four man crew. We're a small crew. We only have you know one dump truck, a semi. Like we don't have that many trucks and stuff, but you know going off of that like we and just from like the beginning of the year till like now like we're paying 600 more dollars like our six uh what was it 600 bucks a m- more a month or something and it's like we're only four people like we only take two trucks to the job like if we don't drive a ton of vehicles and we're 600 dollars more than what we were at the beginning of the year or whatever like this time last year it's like how it, it and you know my boss was, he was like, you know, I'm seeing a lot more heavy duty trucks sitting on lots um, for like for sale and stuff. And he's like, I think a lot of people honestly are closing their companies because he's like, and he's like, I think people are saying, fuck it. And I was like, I think they're honestly, some of them are saying, fuck it, but I also think some of them don't have a choice. And that's the other realization that I don't think people are quite understanding. Some people are closing the doors, not because they want to, but because they cannot afford. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it's it's getting scary. Uh, for example, if you go on TikTok, I'm, <laughs> just type in Texas Ranch and you know, the Texas drought. There are the flood of cattle right now on the market has completely destroyed cattle prices because people the drought here in the Southwest. Um, I don't know if Montana's having a bad drought. I'm pretty sure they're they're doing all right. But uh, there's, so there's different regions for cattle markets, right? So you got, you know, the southeast, you kind of got like the Midwest, and then you have the southwest and then the northwest. Um, so with Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas right now, the drought is so bad, there is no hay. And to truck hay in is too expensive because of the fuel prices. It is, like, they have, everybody's selling out. Everybody is literally 
dumping cows that they cannot pull through winter. Like, they will starve. And they, again, it's dropped cattle prices. And it's, like you said, they financially cannot do it. And yeah. that is what is, like, it's, it's about to get a little scary. I'm not. I'm not trying to sugarcoat nothing. So just buckle <laughs> well, up. That's the ready. thing. I don't think I like people realized it. People were just trying to like, you know, and that's the thing. I think it was sugarcoated for too long. And anymore people, I think more people are starting to wake up, but it's like it, this, you know, cause I think at the beginning of all this, everybody was like, Oh, it's going to, it's going to get better. Like, you, you know, you're going to hit a low point. Like we're eventually going to come back out of this, but it, like now people are starting to say like, when does it stop? Like when do, does do things get better at this point? And, you know, not making it political or anything, just honestly, like it is a very tough time for a lot of people and it's not slowing down by any means. Oh, yeah. If anything, it's speeding up and yeah. it's uh, a lot of ex uh, like experts have said that it's got to crash. Something something has to crash to do some type of quote unquote reset because the inflation getting too too high too fast. Uh we're we're not to the point of hyperinflation, but it's coming in my opinion. And uh yeah, no, it's I mean look what happened to Venezuela. In less than three years, Venezuela went into a complete spiral downfall and I mean people are riding the streets, people aren't able to eat. Now granted they are, you know, that's comparing to you know, that's that's apples to oranges, but we're still going down the same track that they did. And was doing the same stuff that they did to try to counter it, and it didn't work. So, you know, some something's happening. Something is probably going to happen here. I would say in the next two years before the next election, just because of the speed of you know how it's yeah. going right now. Yeah, I mean, when my boss tells me tells all of us guys like I'm going to have to give you guys a raise, just basically so that you guys can live the same life that you were living. So like you're not like it's he's like I'm not trying to sound this like in a bad way not because you guys like dessert like did a good job and like or whatever he's like not saying you guys don't do a good job but he's like but because like you know looking at the you know how the financial situation is in everything and like he's like how can I expect you guys to work for this and you know yeah you guys that's what I feel like you guys are worth but then like you look at how much things cost like you're you're gonna be struggling. And he's like, I don't want you guys to struggle. That's not why you're here. Oh yeah, no, you. Yep, yeah. Just, just live the life that you're living right now. That's yeah. oh god, that's terrible. Oh man. So, but uh, no, that's go ahead. You, uh, I wanted to kind of ask, and it, I feel like this is kind of a question that you may have been asked before or answered on TikTok, maybe. But like, is this a life? I want your opinion. Is this a life that you choose or is this life that chooses you? Because like you said, it's not a career, it's a lifestyle. So is it something that chooses you or do you choose it? Um, I've not been asked that. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I like I think, questions that you've never had before. That's, that's kind of my goal in this podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. This is, this is a deep one. Um, and as much as it pains me to do this to you, I'm going to go with a little bit of both. It does take a special kind of person. Um, not calling myself special, but <laughs> it, it, it takes a like-minded person like myself that can handle task-based jobs and high-stress scenarios because it is, it is that. It is, again, um, you have whatever livestock that you're raising on a ranch, whether it's sheep, 
pigs, cows, whatever, those animals are relying on you to live. And they, like, if you make the wrong decisions, and that's another reason why I think I'm in love with it, is if you make that wrong decision, the consequences could just be, like, beyond drastic. And, again, with the Marine Corps, it went hand in hand. Like, you're, you know how the military is. You're borderline brainwashed. Um, That's how we're taught. Like, if you make the wrong decision, if you choose to do this, you choose to do that, you can get somebody killed. You can get yourself killed. And, again, you know, high-stress scenarios, I do really, I've noticed that I do really well with them. Um, I usually keep my head pretty dang straight. And, uh, you know, I'm able to maneuver it and figure out what's going on because you will make a plan. And I, I've seen it time and time again, and I've seen folks that aren't used to this, and they leave their office job or they leave whatever job that they have, and they, they want to give the ranch life to try it, which, hey, I'm all for it. Like, come on, we need good folks. If you give me 20 Yellowstone fans, little fanboys, that think, you know, Rip is like Big Daddy and, you know, Casey, <laughs> Casey's like, oh, my God, whatever, and they come out here, there might be one or two decent hands that are worth a damn, like, we need it. We need it that bad. Fucking give me them. Like, I don't care. Um, and, like, if we can – I'm trying to think how to explain this. If we can get those people coming in, like, oh, my God, this, this entire industry would just uh, – it would change on such a drastic level. It would be amazing. But, I've, yeah, I've seen the people from the office jobs come in, and they can't handle it. They legitimately cannot handle the fact that they need their days off. They need to know that I am off. Fridays and Saturdays, all damn day, and I don't have to worry about anything, which on some operations you might be able to. Um, on the operation I am, I might be off on Sundays. That's my day off. But if something does happen, yes, they compensate me for it. Yes, they pay me more. But if something needs to get done, it's got to get done. And, again, I love it. I, I, I thrive in that style. You're almost, on that, I think you're on that, almost on that on-call situation at all times. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just like an on-call job. It is a task-based oriented job. And like I said, you have like rough, quote-unquote, sketch hours. Like you know that you'll, you can wake up. As long as the job gets done, it gets done. You could hay all night if you want to hay all night and sleep during the day, but you're still on call. So if something happens, if the cows get out or there's a wildfire, God forbid, or something like that, like you are like, you know, boots on the ground, you're getting it. Do, do you feel like the military almost helped prepare you for this kind of stuff? Or, like, is there a correlation between the two? Uh, yeah. No, I, I truly do think it's it's been a um, – it was, it was a blessing in disguise, let's put it like that. <laughs> with, the, with the training that I received in the Marine Corps and all that, uh, for, so if anybody's wondering, you know, what I did in the Marine Corps, I built jet engines. That was – I was a maintenance guy. And I worked on the Harrier. I don't know if y'all ever played Black Ops, but he, it was a kill streak. The thing that would float up in the air and shoot you. <laughs> yeah. So I worked on I worked on that jet, and it was it was awesome. I met some phenomenal guys. I loved every second of it. Uh, but it was the most fun that I never want to ever do again. <laughs> it was. I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, it was. It got bad sometimes because it. it, it you work in a maintenance when you work in a maintenance department. All they care about is product. Um, so, you know, they, they try to care about you and they try to care about the guys. But 
it's hard because you need to, uh, you know, there's the pilots have to be getting their training hours. They have to be getting their flight hours. Um, and you are the, like, the buffer that's stopping them from accomplishing those flight hours so they can move up to, you know, the next platform, the F-35s, whatever it is. So if engines aren't being built, then pilots aren't flying, and that is a big no-no, and it makes the, the guys with the shiny stuff on their collars look really, really shitty. So, uh, yeah, you are literally um, the Marine Corps' bitch, if you will. And I learned that real quick. I thought this was going to be like a piece of cake. I thought it was going to be a nine-to-five. I thought it was going to be a, hey, like admin jobs in the Marine Corps, you can roll in at 830, and you get a nice two, sometimes three-hour chow. You leave at 10 o'clock, and then you come back around like one-ish. You can PT. You can go get lunch. You can you do whatever you want to do in that you know two, three-hour time period, and then you come back and you work till four, and then you go home. And that's how a lot of the Marine Corps – slash military is, is a very, like, scheduled thing. You might have PT early in the morning or PT at night, whatever it is. But in the um, in the maintenance field, oh, no, oh, no. You have quotas, and if the quotas aren't met, you work until those quotas are met. Uh, so sometimes you're working weekends. Sometimes you're working 18-hour days. Sometimes you're at the shop at 2 a.m., still turning wrenches, and then you're going to, go home for about four or five hours and then come back and keep doing it and and work a whole nother shift. So it it did. I truly think that it did mentally prepare me and kind of like, I guess you could say mentally uh, toughen me up. And uh, yeah, it carried over over really nice. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, like I said, it, it definitely takes a special type of person and the job, the, the lifestyle, if you will, it, it chooses you, but you also choose it. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I'm sure it was always something that you wanted to do, but kind of going into your, you know, the little bit of the internship that you mentioned already, it was something that you definitely wanted to do, but, like, you also, like, you took the initiative to bring it upon yourself, like, and create your own and just make it happen. So kind of take me through that internship that you did while you were still in the Marine Corps and, uh, and you went to, what was it, Montana to work on a ranch? Yes, sir. Yeah. So if y'all want to Instagram them, it's, uh, the ranch I went to was Little Belt Cattle Company. They're awesome. Uh, phenomenal opportunity. Mr. Greg is the president of the company. And basically kind of what happened was I, there's, a, there's a building on base. Every base has one. I don't know what they're all called in different branches, but in the Marine Corps, we call it the T&E building. That's the training and education building. Uh, I had worked with a lady in there named Miss Morningstar, and her and I had, uh, she'd had, like helped me do the college classes I was doing in the evenings for the trades. I got some diesel certs, uh, electrical certs, welding certs, and masonry certs. And I was doing that for a couple of years. And she was kind of like my coordinator. She'd help me get the classes picked out figure out what fits with my schedule, you know, kind of like a, some type of advisor, if you will. And one of my really, one of my best friends named Briley Spencer, he, uh, he <laughs> called me one day and was like, dude, did you know that you can basically like screw off your last six to eight months in the military and you get paid by the military and you can just go out and do some type of internship? And I was like, what? Ain't no way. You lied. You lied. He's like, no, nah, dude, I swear to God, I'm going to Georgia. I was like, for what? So he went down to Georgia and did a commercial electrician 
um, internship slash like schooling. He had a bunch of certs through some Air Force base. But he was living, like, grew out his beard, and, and you know, that just it, that right there sold me. I was like, oh, shit, dude, facial hair? Oh, my God, I haven't had facial hair in years. Like, <laughs> I'm in. Sign me up. So he, was like, he, he just, he was like, go talk to Miss Liz Morningstar. So I was like, oh, my God, well, I'm already good friends with her. She's already helped me out coordinating my college classes. So I walked up in there, and I was like, hey, tell me about this skill bridge stuff. And uh, as I said before, so Marine Corps and Army, if you're in one of those, you can actually create your own internship. Now, it's a little bit more paperwork you've got to do, but if you can find a company that's willing to house you, then you can go anywhere in this country, including Alaska and Hawaii, and um, stay and live at that company or live in their housing, whatever it is, and work for them. So what I first stumbled upon was I we were talking about doing some type of electrician thing or diesel mechanic thing. And uh, I ended up getting hurt in the Marine Corps. My back got messed up and um, took a step back and kind of reassessed things. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do like super hard blue collar labor for the rest of my life, like, you know, welding and that kind of stuff. And so I asked her about management, a management position in agriculture. Cause I, she knew that I was passionate about it before the Marine Corps. And, she was like, well, Tucker, you're really good at networking, so why don't you get after it and you tell what you find? I was like, all right, yes, ma'am, sounds good. So picked up the phone. I talked to about 500 ranchers in uh, by, uh, less than a month. I talked to everybody and anybody I possibly could. And how I found a lot of ranch jobs, surprisingly, was through the school system. I would Because every county, for the most part, every county, every state, whatever you want to say, has some type of FFA program, 4-H program, and every college, whether that's community college or like big universities, have internships for their ag students, right? So I, I would just call, I'd talk to their ag professor, I'd be like, hey, where do you send your students for, uh, you know, your vet techs? Where, where do they do internships? And they oh, they go to this feedlot over here. I'm like, okay, can I have that feedlot number? And they would say, yeah, and I'd, I'd call the feedlot, and then I'd ask them, hey, you know any ranchers that are hiring? And or any like veterans that are in the industry already. And so then I talked to vets because you know how that is. We're just broskies straight off the bat most of the time. And um, yeah, I landed about seven different ranches I was looking at and I stumbled across a really awesome program at Montana State University. And that's what I networked through and ended up finding Little Belt Cattle Company. And I was like, oh my God, this might be right up my alley. I had spoken to a lady named Dr. Frost up at Montana State. She was awesome. She uh, made the introductions, and then it was up to me to, like, sell it, if you will. So that's exactly what I did. I pitched them the paperwork, said, hey, you don't have to pay me a dime. All you got to do is you got to house me. The Marine Corps will pay me the entire time, um, and I get to work for you for up to six to eight months. And that's exactly what I did. And he said, come on. I passed the paperwork, uh, got it approved by the third time. I kept getting denied. My CEO didn't like it, and I uh, basically told him to fuck off because I went above him. I got a, I got him a, uh, I went to, through headquarters Marine Corps and got a waiver from a colonel, and that outranks my CEO at the time. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I basically told him to pound sand, and I was like, well, I'm going to headquarters Marine Corps. I already approved it, so you can get your panties in a wad about it, but, you know. <laughs> Pound sand. And yeah, left for Montana and was out there until the first of the year, came back and then processed out of the Marine Corps. 
But, yeah, no, I, I loved it, and I recommend anybody that's kind of stressing out about who, what, when, where, how, and why, what are they going to do after their service, look into the SkillBridge stuff. There's so many awesome programs that aren't utilized because your command doesn't tell you about them. Go ask questions. Just trust me. Ask the questions, and I promise you there's probably a program for it. There's over 3,000 schools, certs, internships you can go to in the U.S. right now, and it's increasing every day. Damn. The one thing that I really like that you said is networking that right there. And like you are, you literally proved it. Like, and that's something that's been talked about time and time again on this podcast is, you know, you know, find the like connections and relationships and networking. It is important to network. It is so important because you never know where it's going to take you in life. Because I look at, you know, this podcast itself and, um, the job I have, like it all wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for networking. And like, you know, I always used to be afraid to ask people like you to come on the podcast when I first started, because like, you know, it's like, eh, like, you know, nobody, nobody's going to want to do it. And then, so I always had people that I knew, like not the, nothing against the people I originally had on. Some of them were awesome people like, you know, college athletes and stuff like that. Like they did good stuff. But it was then like it be this podcast itself be able to expand because of networking. All you got to do is take that chance and just you, all you got to do is call them, text them, shoot yep. them an email, whatever it is. All you got to do is that. And then, then that starts the conversation. If you spark the conversation, like sometimes that like people want something, but you don't, it's not going to come to you. You got to go get it essentially. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, what I've actually learned with the whole networking thing, well, I'll, I'll say this. I'm sure you all have heard it time and time again. It's not what you know, it's who you know. What you know comes later. Once you meet the people and you land where you want to be, that's when you need to be able to back up your talk. That's when you need to be able to be like, oh, I actually wasn't fucking lying about that. Here's, here, I'll prove it to you right now. And, you know, you do whatever you said you were going to do. Be a man of your word, woman of your word, whatever you want to call it. Um, the second thing that I learned from this whole networking experience over the past, like, year and a half, call. Texting's great, but calling is usually just really professional because then, you, you know, you can read somebody's attitude with their voice. You can see uh, – if if you can't meet in person, obviously this is this is like second option. But you can meet in person, meet in person, because then you can read somebody's body language, their expressions, how they're saying stuff, um, and you can kind of feel the demeanor of them, right? Uh, if you can't get on the phone call, because you, stuff gets mistaken all the time over text. I'm sure y'all had it, and stuff gets mistaken over email. People say stupid stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense, and then you're sitting there like, "Holy shit, does he want to do this?" He just said. We'll see. Like, is that like a shirt? Like, well, yeah, we'll see. Or is that like, I don't know, we'll see. You know, and you're like, ah, and you're overthinking it, freaking out. You're like, fuck, man. I should have just called this motherfucker. <laughs> so, yeah, get, get on the phone and call folks because, it, like I said, it's more professional. That's if you can't meet them in person. It's more professional. You can hear if they're actually passionate about whatever you're talking about and even if they're interested. And if so, hit it. And uh, the the don't be annoying. Okay, I give people a couple of days. I give them like forty eight hours, right? On a business, like Monday through Friday, they got forty eight hours to think on something, and then I'm gonna hit them again, and I'm gonna call them or I'm gonna text them. And be like, hey, you know, you're gonna get on a phone call. Have you thought about this? Whatever it is, follow up. There's 
for example, me and Cole, we've been trying to do this for a couple months of getting on this podcast. It's life, life happens, you know, you're going down a road and all of a sudden you blow a tire and you're like, what the, I'm, I'm an hour and a half away from the ranch. Like what is going on? Right. Like, Oh my God. Like it's, it's just life. If you call somebody one day and they're like on fire for it and then you don't hear from them for a couple of days, follow up because life probably had them, you know, it probably hit them in the mouth. They're, they're doing something. They're, they're juggling seven different things and you're on the back burner and you will remain on the back burner if you do not do the follow-up stuff. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And one thing with those follow-ups too, like, yes, it is very important to follow up, but don't follow up on a Saturday at nine o'clock at night or whatever. Like, don't do that. Like if you're going to follow up, you got to do it. Like my boss tells me this all the time. He's like, I have customers that'll text me on like a Sunday morning at 6 AM, like asking questions. And it's like, I have a life too. Like, you know, it like these aren't necessarily business hours per se. And like, but like the other thing too, yes. And like when you get that chance and like, you know, talking about us, like, you know, things we've been trying to get this recorded and whatever, but like, I'll give you credit. You stuck to your word. You said you were going to do it. We said we were going to make it happen. And you, that's the other thing. Like if things happen, life happens. Yes. But still stick to your word. If you say you're going to do something, find a way to make it happen. I understand like, you know, that doesn't necessarily work for like every situation, but most of the time, if you say like, Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll come help you with this. And you know, life happens. That's fine. But still try and make an effort to, you know, if it's a multiple day project that somebody's working on, they ask for your help on, go help them the next day or go help them when you're done. Like still stick to your word. Don't just blow it off. Damn right. No, absolutely. And that's, uh, that is one thing that I've learned is say what you mean, mean what you say and do what you say. And if you can't, you figure out how you can, I don't want to say compensate, but make it up to that person. Like if you can't do yada, 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 and you said you would be there, you said you would do it for them, find some other need of theirs and fulfill it as fast as possible because not saying a lot of people do this, but I've seen a lot of people do this. People hold that shit over your head and it is, it's terrible. And I, I, Oh, well, you told me you were going to do this that day and you never did it. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's little snark remarks and it's annoying. Like just do it, just do it. Suck it the fuck up sometimes. It sucks. And you're sitting there going, oh, my God, why did I ever say I would do some dumb shit like this? Just do it. It is what it is. You chose to, you know, go down that path. So suck it up. A man is only as good as his word. That is one thing I've, I remember being told when I was younger. And then, like, you know, you see the videos of it all the time now. And, but I, I like, oh, that was before social media when I heard it, but it, it is true. Like you are only as good as what you say you're going to do. If you tell me you're going to do something, you better do it. Otherwise, like there goes trust. There goes like a lot of different qualities that I now disbelieve in you because in any more today's world, you know, we're given too much fake promises. Like all these promises is like, oh, I'll do this. I'll do this. Like, yeah, don't worry about it. And especially like you said, text. And that's where it is important to call because if you're talking to someone on the phone or you're in person talking to them, you can tell if you ask them to do something, they're like, yeah, I'll help you. And it's like, 
yeah, you're not going to be here. Like you can tell real quick. You can tell the people that are like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, gonna, I'll be here. Don't worry. I got you. Like, you know, the people that are going to actually help you versus the people that are just saying it to not be a dickhead. But in reality, you're being more of a dickhead when you are lying about it. Nope. Absolutely. No, you are. You're right about that one. And I'll even add to it. You said a man is only as good as his word. And I'll, I'll put a comma at the end of that and say, because it is all that a man or a woman has. I mean, truly, that's all you got. It is your word. And like you said, if you, if you shit on it, nobody trusts you. Nobody wants to use you. Nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to be your friend. Nobody wants to be your husband, wife, whatever it is, because you don't fucking follow through and nobody wants that. Exactly. So like one of my, like, I I don't know, it might be last, might not be, I don't even know anymore. But one of the things I wanted to, you know, you posted the TikTok about it, TikTok about it a while ago. It was, it was, I think it was back when you were in uh, your internship, but it was like 30 K a year. How can you afford that? People don't understand the other benefits. I feel like that come from the ranch life. So kind of take me through that. I know you've answered it on TikTok, but kind of take me through like, your answer to that where somebody was like, how can you afford to live off 30 K a year or whatever it is? Absolutely. So, um, Oh boy. It now take this with a grain of salt. I'm speaking on my experience and I'm speaking on the family style operations that I have worked on. Right. This isn't some large corporation. I don't, I don't know how that stuff takes. I don't have any experience with it, but what I have seen, is yes, you make about $30,000 a year. I don't pay for housing. I don't pay for utilities. I don't pay for Wi-Fi. They, the ranch that I'm currently on, they're amazing. It's a phenomenal opportunity. They also feed me almost three meals a day, two or three. They, they, I know, lunch and dinner I get. Um, breakfast sometimes is on me. But like what's bacon and eggs, you know? Um, I have a ranch truck that I'm driving every day. Actually, we have two that I'm driving every day. Uh, I don't pay for fuel. If I want to, if I want to do anything that's going to cost me money, that's my, me taking my own personal vehicle into town. Um, I mean, like you have no overhead. So you take somebody that's making seventy, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. I think national, like the national average, is like in the fifties. You have a mortgage or you have rent. If you have rent, you're paying way, you're paying basically a double mortgage. Then you're going to have utilities. Then you're going to have your insurance, right? Your home insurance. Then you're going to have your food bills. And then you're going to have your Wi-Fi. Probably your, I would say you're going to have one to two car payments because that's just the American way. Then you're going to have your credit card payment because that's again, the American way it's, I mean, it's, so easy to get tangled up with the debt on the out. I don't want to say on the outside, but essentially like in a nine to five working in like an urban style, you know, um, suburban neighborhood, whatever it is. And like the, the counter argument that I've had with people is like, Oh, well, you don't have any positive equity. You don't have a house. You don't have anything to your name. You're just a, you're just a farmhand. You're just a ranch hand. Yes. But, if you're smart with your money and you're able to invest, like you can get ahead really, really easy. And this is, this is really good for, you know, younger folks that don't really know the direction that they're going to. This allows them to kind of get in the groove, get a real feel of, 
I guess, like working and like, if you hate it, then you hate it. And you, this, this will motivate you to move on and keep going and keep grinding. And if you want to go to college and you want to do that, then you can find a way to do it, you know? Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, it is truly a, uh, a really easy way of living, if you will. And not, and when we sell cows and whatnot, they also throw me beef. So, I, I personally, I think it's an awesome setup. I'm not having to stress. Like people are trying to figure out how to make ends meet and rents going up every day. And uh, again, I'm truly blessed with this uh, opportunity I got. And I'm, I'm not having to stress out about money to that extent. And I'm able to save and I'm able to invest and I'm able to kind of like set myself up for the future. So if I do down the road want to leave this or go into something different or go into do another operation and I don't, you know, they made me pay the utilities and they made me, you know, whatever it is. I have a lot more of a cushion than, you know, somebody living paycheck to paycheck, which that is majority of America right here, right now. Yeah. I mean, it, and the thing is, is like, you're doing something you love too. That that's the most important thing when it comes to a job that I think anymore in America, we, forget about like any more people forget about the fact that you know you spend <clears throat> i think what is it like a third of your year or a quarter of your year whatever it is at your job if you work a nine to five and you work 40 hours a week whatever it is so if you think about that and you do the math like why would you want to go somewhere and do something that you hate because i've had <clears throat> you know people i have a college degree college wasn't for everybody i went to college probably wasn't for me the only reason i will say this you know, I've said it before. I think the main reason I went to college was the fact that I was playing college football. So that's why I went and I ended up getting my degree out of it. And then I come home, you know, I have a college degree and I come home and I work a blue collar job. And they're like, you know, uh, people all the time are like, why are you doing that? What, like, are you like, you have a college degree? And it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think I could sit in an office. You know, I don't know until I try, but like, I, my thing is, is I love my job that I have now. Yeah. I might work 50, 60 hours a week sometimes, but I also get the winners off. That's kind of nice. And like, if people don't understand is like work some, like work a job that you love to do, do something that you love because you spend so much of your time there. Why would you want to like do something you hate for a third of your life? Like, or a third of the, your year? Why would, well, what is the point in that? What like life is too short. We've seen it with a lot of people where life ends unexpectedly. You never know when your last day is. Your time clock is always ticking. Do you want to literally, you know, some people say, you know, oh, it's just for now. It's just for now. It's just for now. All right, that's fine. But like people say it's just for now for that, like that they say that for too long. You have to make a, an effort to move to something that you really truly enjoy and something that you love to do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. But what I will say is be realistic with yourself. Um, so one of the main reasons that I like this is I, I told you there is no overhead. It doesn't, it's not costing me anything. It's saving me a crap ton of money. I, I truly enjoy the lifestyle. Yes, I got to deal with some really, really hard BS days sometimes. And, you know, some days it's sunshine and rainbows and, you know, you're pooping butterflies or whatever it is. It's great. But be realistic with yourself. If you want to be a, oh, I want to be a photographer. I want to be a, I want to be an artist. Whatever it is, hey, props to you. But that is a 
super, super specific field, and it is extremely competitive because everybody nowadays is a photographer with their iPhones. You're going to have to spend the money. So now you need to ask yourself, how are you going to spend that money? Because, for example, I just bought camera equipment, and I about shit myself because I'm, I'm trying to personally increase my uh, – my quality of video and I'm trying to like put out some really cool, uh, ranching, like realistic photography of like your day to day ranch life. Um, that's my, that's my hopes and dreams. And I just spent almost $6,000 on camera equipment and I just scratched the surface of it. And it, it like, it hurts. <laughs> like one of my really good friends, her name is Rachel. She was just telling me, she's like, yeah, you know, like probably, I probably got like a hundred thousand dollars worth of camera equipment. I'm over there like about to throw up like, Oh, oh what? What? Like, what? What? Yeah, but she's been at it for years, and she's extremely talented, and um, she's taught me a lot, and I'm I'm thankful for that. But, again, be realistic with yourself. Do something that you can become, like, you, you, you like it, right? You can, if you like something, you can learn to become passionate about it. Just be realistic and don't get caught up in the, oh, like, chase your passion. Chase something that enjoy, that allows you to also you know, financially help you chase your real passion. And maybe if you can do something that you like, you might not love it at first. If you, you know, repetitions, then you become passionate about whatever you're doing. It, it, it just comes. It's human nature. Like you might, like I said, it might be like a, eh, not too bad. You know, I can, I can get with it. I can get with it. And then you'll grow into it. And then all of a sudden, then you're either an expert or you're just a craftsman in that whatever field and from there, I mean, opportunity is endless. Then you have the financial flexibility and the freedom to chase that if you want to be a photographer, if you want to be an artist. That can be your side hustle. Um, yeah, and that's, that's just my, you know, two cents on it. Oh, no, I agree with you 100% because, like, I'm not a full-time podcaster. This is not what I do for a living. Like I already said, like, I do something <clears throat> I say I love, but it's more of a... Uh, more of the like, you know, it's something that you can learn to love, but like, this is my true passion, but this is, I'm realistic of myself. If this was my full-time thing, I would be broke. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. Like <laughs> I don't do this podcast for the money, but it is my passion. It's what I actually love to do. Yeah. It's your side hustle. Exactly. Like it is, I think it's important to have side hustles, hustles. Now don't overdo yourself because I've seen it with a lot of people, you know, they work a lot of side jobs and like, they're never home. They got kids. And like you got to balance it, but it is important to have a side hustle because your side hustle is usually something that you truly enjoy. Oh no, absolutely, damn right. Yeah, no, I don't even have anything else to add to that. That was just your, but, yeah. So we're gonna move yeah. into like some of the final segments of the podcast, and one of my last questions that I ask every guest is, and it's a fun one, but if you could go back in time and ask your or tell your sixteen year old self one thing, what would it be? Ooh, ooh, um, ooh. I'm I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a little uh, I don't, don't want to say negative, but I would tell my 16 year old self. So, little backstory. I, I I chime into this small town, the South. Like everybody's in a rush to get married. You know, you hop into relationships. I had dated a girl for a couple years, and I was convinced I was going to marry this one. Um, that did not work out <laughs> at all. If anything, that crashed and burned and they never like, melted. <laughs> yeah, you know, high school love, how, how it always goes. 
Uh, if I could go back and tell myself something, I would say go focus on yourself and don't worry about the women. Or let me rephrase that. Don't worry about the girls. A woman will come. And if you're if you're trying to force something, if you're trying to, like, you know, force love or, like, force a relationship when it, you don't really know, it's kind of like, eh. Like, I, I don't know. What, what I have seen is if you take your time with something and, again, you're not looking for anything, that's usually when something extremely amazing falls in your lap and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, look at that. Um, so yeah, I would, I would probably hit him with, I would probably hit my younger self. Just, Hey man, roll with the flow, do your thing. A woman will show up. Don't worry about the girls because all they're, all they're here for the good time. They're here for, you know, the cocaine or whatever, whatever I was involved with back in my whippersnapper days. <laughs> I mean, and the hardest thing for a 16 year old is to understand that. I'll be honest. Cause like, I feel like everybody, like me, I I'm included in that. Like you have that. The high school puppy love that you think, oh, this is the one. This is the one I'm gonna marry. And then like you get a little older, and you're like, what in the hell was I thinking? Like, why would I ever think <laughs> I wanted to marry that chick? But like, you know, it, it it it's true. And like the the things come out of nowhere. Like I remember, you know, being fresh out of a relationship or something, and being like, damn, like you know, you know, feeling sorry for myself essentially. And like I remember one of my buddies looking at me one time and be like, dude don't look for it. It'll, it'll come to you. And I'm like, and like, he's single. So I'm like, what the fuck do you know? But then like, also at the same time, like, you know, all of a sudden this girl comes into my life and I'm like, God damn, he was right. Where the fuck? He, he wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I heard that from an old timer myself. And I said the same thing. I was like, this man ain't even married. What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> you know, he's like 65, decrepit. He's like, no, Sonny, you don't, you don't chase them. They chase you because you ain't chasing them. And then I was like, what? <laughs> you know, mysteries of the world, mysteries of the world. Oh, <laughs> uh, 100%. But this moves us into the best segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their morning as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got for Motivation Monday? Ooh, what do I have? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, two tips of advice, and I try to tell everybody this. If you wouldn't take advice from them, why would you take criticism from them? And then second thing is you allow... You allow people to manipulate how you feel. Somebody walks up to you and says, hey, you look like a piece of shit today. Or, hey, man, you're looking fat in those jeans or whatever it is. And you let that make you upset. Cool, man. You just allowed that person. Going back to the tip number one, you allowed that person to completely manipulate your feelings and emotions for no fucking reason. Only, and I'm not saying it's not, it's bad to get emotional. I'm not saying that. Be emotional with the people that you love and trust. Don't, on some random fucking stranger in the street or some guy on TikTok or some girl or whoever it is on Instagram or social media, laugh, okay? Because fuck them, honest to God. It is what it is. It just roll with the punches. Again, you choose what affects you. And 
It's as simple as that. And I promise you, your mental health will go through the roof if you can just simply apply those two small things. You choose what affects you. That There was a lot of things that stuck out to me in everything that you just said, but you choose what affects you is the biggest thing. You can allow yourself to get bothered by this or that. But what, like when you finally sit back and like, you know, going back to the whole 16 year old thing, there was things at 16 that we looked at, like we would get so upset about, about, I think one episode we talked about, oh, we always used to worry about who's going to who with prom or whatever it is. And it's like, you look when you're older and you're like, that, that doesn't even matter. You, it comes with age, but also at the same time, you have to, when you finally take, realize to take a step back and truly understand and it's the whole, it, it's kind of cliche, but is it going to bother you in five years kind of thing? Why spend five mu- minutes being pissed off about it? Like, it, there's no point because like, if it doesn't bother, if it's not going to bother you in the future, why are you getting so angry about it now? No, absolutely. And again, it, it's, it, it also speaks so much of your maturity when you're able to process like a really shitty situation that somebody's trying to put you in and you're able to completely kind of deflect their manipulation right there and calmly just be like, sorry, man, fuck off. Have a good day or God bless. And then you just like walk out the door and it pisses them off. Cause then they're like, Oh shit. Like I was trying to get this motherfucker route up and I couldn't do it. And then they, you know, it's, it's just, it's really awesome because you're able to kind of slow down and process stuff and you're not, you know how it is. Like you're quick to fight or whatever it is. And then you end up getting in a really situation, really bad situation. You end up getting, you know, there's seven versus two and you're like, Oh fuck man, I'm about to get my shit kicked in. And <laughs> you know, it allows you to process stuff and you don't end up in as bad a situation. Sometimes you still end up there, but you know, it is what it is. yeah exactly but hey man that's a wrap on this episode of the roughnecks podcast i really appreciate you coming on what's your social media like your tiktok and stuff so people can follow you you know we've mentioned a lot of it so what what is your social media uh tags so people can follow you i'll also put them in the episode description uh so it's spanish um (laughs) what it means is it means learning buckaroo uh so we'll just have to put the links down in there. Cause if I say it, people are going to be like, how do I spell that? Uh, you can also look up my secondary TikTok. That is easier. That's in English. <laughs> it's Tucker's rambling. And I'll have my link, my link trees in there. You can click the link tree and it's got my Instagram, my main account and uh, some other podcasts that I've done in the past. And I'll also throw yours up there as well, Cole. And uh, yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm very glad that we were finally able to get this done. Maybe in the future we can get another one in, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We might have to start uh, planning that for, like, next year, like right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely, man. Thank you, Cole. I, I, I appreciate it, man. I had a good time. But with that, you guys know the deal. Life is hard and is going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let the bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. If you liked today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend if you got some value from it. Head over to social media and follow the Roughnecks Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to that YouTube channel.
Don't forget to get you some of that merch by heading over to roughneckspodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. See y'all next week. Roughnecks out.